Part one went way too long. So we cut the thing up, and now I'm going to present part two. Part two of the TFL podcast with Brian Langtree, John Gallant. Give it a listen. What I want to do is just transition to have you guys and Brian, maybe you talk a little bit about Johnny Glant's game and, and some of the quirks of his game. Well, it's funny that you, that Johnny mentioned that we had similar games because I, nothing similar in skill wise and athleticism. He's way more athletic than me and, and I'm way more skilled than him, obviously, <laughs> but, but, but he, um, but Johnny and I both are the same guy. I mean, as different as we are in so many ways, once we put the uniform on, we're the same guy. Like in practice when he was covering me, I freaking hated it so much. You could not imagine how painful it was to just have this. I used to call him Urkel to piss him off because he was like skinny and nerdy. And, and he'd just come out and beat the piss out of me. I don't think I ever got by him in practice once. And he was just, he was just an absolute freaking savant when it came to the game knowing where to be he was a he was a leader I mean just one of those guys who just never got all the credit in the world but really should have I mean I, I was blown away by not just that but then like you look over on the bench and you say I'm a leader I never felt like a leader I mean we had Gavin we had Johnny like I look over and see Johnny hey guys and you'd see his eyes also get big and he would look over and he starts screaming and when he said something you listen when I said something it was like ah oh, he's just talking again but when Johnny was speaking, you'd be like, oh, my God, this, I'm, I'm going to really focus and listen to what he says. I love For the first, for the first minute him. and a half, right? No, no. no for the first minute and a half? I'm locked in on his ass, man. He is – Johnny and I – and then after that, we ended up coaching together. Those stories, we coached the minor league uh, lacrosse team. <laughs> that one we can't tell. That's got no. some that's – got, that's got another minivan story no. also. Totally no, no, different. no. But then, Johnny uh, – Johnny, explain Brian's game and, and the quirks of that game, maybe some of the practice of playing against him. Yeah, you know, it was, you know, as a, an American, it, the Americans were athletic guys, right? And, and you spoke about a lot of them we had offensively, right? Is from Sims, Jalbert, right? And, and, you know, just extremely athletic and, you know, could do – could do things that just naturally gifted. And I think Brian's game, you know, I think he really was the first American. You know, yeah, you guys like Bergie, yeah, you know, guys who, who played, but he was kind of the first American who, you know, didn't have either size, you know, big, strong size or, or you know, um, could run, you know, like guys like Sims and things like that. But he was kind of the first American guy that played um, a lot the played the way a Canadian would, like the bee sting. He would throw a bee sting, you know, pick on you, and he would get inside, and he just would throw his hip right in his in his ass into you, and it would get right into your thigh, and you know, Charlie Horse, and you'd go to the net, and he would score, right, and you know, behind the back and different things. And so his his game was was one of. Um, you know, physicality, right? He was consistent, persistent in everything he did. But, you know, the thing I appreciate and valued, right, and respected, I guess, was, was he was he wanted to learn, right? He was always seeking, um, you know, to, to get better, right? And, and I think, you know, there's, there's the aspect of, hey, as Canadians and as coaches, did we do enough to teach the American guys how to play, right? And kind of Brian talked about that a little bit earlier. 
And, you know, Brian took the initiative of, okay, how do I play? Right. And ask questions and, and talk to his teammates. And so, you know, he was a guy that, you know, we're obviously worked hard and is, was persistent, but when the game was on the line, man, like he, you know, he's that guy that for some reason, man, he, you know, if the ball's in his stick, you know, on a crucial time, right. He, he's the guy that had the confidence to take it. And so, you know, I could, you know, from Arizona and overtime, right. To obviously Calgary and overtime, um, you know, there's plenty of, plenty of uh, examples of how, um, Portland, you know, how when the game was on the line, that was a guy who didn't shy away right from the stress, right? He sought out, you know, being the best. And he sought out, you know, in crunch time, having the ball and taking the team on his back. So in 06, and and one of the things I, I don't know many people actually care about, um, but that team went 19-1 and one from the end of 06, where we were, I think, 5-5 five and five in a 16-game schedule. Went six games to end the season. 5-1, and one, I think, actually to end the season. Uh, and then wins three in a row in the playoffs. And then starts out 10-0 and 0 the next year in 2007. And, and 2007 ended um, with a goalie, you know, kind of getting hurt and, and, uh, and ends in the playoffs with you know, Jeff Zawicki in the crease by about four or five steps, and we won't talk about that. But let's talk about the the 06 run, which was pretty special, I know, for you guys, um, and a lot of overtimes. But what what are, what are your memories of that process? I don't remember anything about 07. <laughs> I, I really don't. I, I have zero memory of 2007. So, you know, I, was, I think I was still on that that post championship, you know, that, that ride. What was the name of our psychologist, our sports psychologist? What was his name? Jerry Lynch. Jerry Lynch. I love Jerry Lynch. I love that guy. He was Jerry Lynch. That's Gary's guy. Gary's guy. I loved him. I read all his books. Yeah. Thinking for those people who don't, Dr. Jerry Lynch, thinking body, dancing mind. Great book for those you guys that are, so, you know, thinking about trying to find a way to, to uh, bring the mental game, the Zen game to, to your athletic endeavors. That guy was Jerry Lynch, great guy. But talk about the 06 run to the playoffs. Oh, that was freaking awesome. I mean, it, you just – you put together a hell of a team. I mean, that's really kind of what it boils down to. There, there were just so many pieces, like offensive – I get, you know, Gavin was, was, the, was kind of the offensive hub. You know, he was the guy who, who always, he was so unselfish and he would always make the right play. But then you had like guys like, you know, oh, just not, oh, just Chris Gill, just Dan Stroop, like at playing role, role player jobs, guys that are Hall of Famers that are freaking phenomenal across players, but they were willing because they knew they were getting older to hold the ball less and not to try to, they didn't need to be the guy. And, and that was that, I think that was huge. You had these guys that were just amazing leaders and lacrosse players that, that were like, okay, Let's kind of let these younger guys handle the ball more. Our transition game was the best in the league. Our goaltending was phenomenal, and the defense was always good. And I think the pieces were great. I, I, I watched one of your other podcasts, and you mentioned that we weren't, like, favored. I, I don't even remember that. I, obviously, I just remember thinking we were going to win every time. And especially one of the, when the One of the things, Brian, that, that, that was interesting was when Gary retired – Right. And the year before in 05 and then became the head coach, 
Um, there was a lot of people saying that that summer, no way to replace that guy. There was no way this team was going to have any level of impact um, because Gary was gone and and he moves, you know, kind of behind the bench and becomes the head coach. And, you know, Johnny, talk a little bit about that whole process from we're five and five and kind of the rubber hit the road. And where do we go from there? Well, I think it's, uh, you know, we we had success in previous years. We just couldn't get over, right, over that hump, so to speak. And, and uh, you know, we're number ranked one going in the playoffs, you know, some years, and we're out in the first round. And so, you know, I think a lot of that goes, your comments there, you know, Paul, or sorry, Gary retires and, and uh, you know, it's now coaching. What are we going to do? And, I, and I'll be honest with you, I think it's, you know, you, Jerry Lynch comes in and, and that was, you know, by Gary and it just changed our mindset, right. Of, of how we, how we looked at things. Right. And I think, you know, as a team, you know, I've watched that championship game once. And, and I think in 2007, you know, everyone looks at 2006, 2007, you mentioned earlier, we're very good as well. And uh, Chet Couture, right. Um, <laughs> that one? Good call. Good call. Um, good call. Yeah. And so, uh, but, it was guys galvanized around one another. And, and I think, you know, we had things that worked for us, but, you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, watching, I've watched that game once, 2006, I watched it once. And one of the commentators in that game, what sticks out to me more than anything was I think Shanahan says he watched us in warm up and we looked extremely confident. And, <laughs> I, I remember that. watching that warm up. We look, you guys didn't give a shit. We and that's like, it. That's right. And you guys we, looked like you didn't care. We had so much fun together. Now, yes, did we? Did we uh, after practice and after shoot rounds? Did we as a as a you know a group? Um, you know, we had routines that we did. But like I remember walking. I remember we we played in Buffalo, right? That championship game. We went out early, and I remember we walked through the city of Buffalo to some restaurant to have dinner. I think it was, you know, Don Sunblade's birthday or something like that. But we Beef on whack. Beef on whack. Beef on whack. And we walked forever. But it wasn't – Shanahan said that, Kyle, oh, he's extremely confident. I don't know if it was confident. We just really enjoyed being around one another, right? We enjoyed playing with one another. We enjoyed, you know, the airplane rides, the hotels, the dinners, all that sort of stuff. We enjoyed that. And we were competitive. And – you know, what you wanted me to walk you through it. Like I remember getting, you know, I missed some of that playoffs, right? Because, you know, I ruptured my spleen. I got hit and ruptured my spleen, I think, in the second to last game. And, you know, we're the night before and Gary turns to me, he goes, can you play? And I go, you're not, yes. I said, you're not keeping me out of this one, right? And so um, because watching the weeks before, watching – you know, Brian scoring overtime against Calgary, watching G shut down Arizona, you know, it was, uh, you know, you miss being part of that group, right? But that, I think you don't give yourself enough credit. You literally got hit by a Caleb Toth shot, which the oh. guy shot the ball oh. a thousand miles an hour against Calgary in the last regular season game at home. I think that happened. And you, you rupture your spleen and you laid there, you know, kind of, I, I knew – you were really hurt because I never saw you lay well. Hey, wait. Let me I interrupt saw you. you dive a lot of times. 
was notorious for laying on the ground and pretending he was hurt. So I, I was like, kidding. I never him. saw you actually lay on the ground hurt. I saw you lay on the ground faking it. I knew I was in trouble. I knew I was in trouble. It was man down. Yeah, and Caleb Toth hit me. He hit me right here. And I'm laying down, and Pat Coyle's kicking me. And he's like, get up. Right? The play stopped. Right? And he's like, get up. And I, and I can barely breathe. And I, I can't breathe. I can't. And I pull up my pads. And Pat Coyle, the look on his face, and I'm just like this, looking at him. I go, I can't talk. I'm winded. And I pull it up, and, and he goes, holy shit. And I, that's when I knew it was bad. And yeah, uh, it was bad. It was bad. And so they, uh, you know, I walked Freaking off. Walked off, and Doctor Stall, Doctor Stall, you know, I catch my Dr. breath. Stahl. And Doctor Stall, you know, he's, you know, saved my life, right? And then he's like, he does, the, you know, touching me here. He goes, hi. I go, I'm good because yeah, I think we had a win. We had to win that game and the next night. And I'm like, I'm good. And he's like, you're in the, we're putting you in the ambulance and uh, in the ambulance, and yeah, ruptured, you know, ruptured spleen. But it was, it was. Uh, so you rupture your spleen and three weeks later, like that's an injury that usually is like six months. It's, uh, you know, yeah. You I should hate. sue the league. You should sue the league. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. So six months, injury six months, and he comes back and plays in the championship. Now it took us a while, you know, it took us a lot to get there. Two overtime games against – you know, Calgary and then and then against we had to play Calgary three times in a row and then we played against Arizona with a an amazing team in Arizona that Bob Hamley put together and, and Dan Dawson and a lot of, you know, excellent, unbelievable players that year in 06. But ultimately we we prevail. We go to Buffalo and play in the championship. And uh, I remember I told the story the other day of Ward Sanderson in the post game of the, the Buffalo championship Um and again, kudos to you, Johnny. You come out three weeks later and play, and you played really well. Uh, one of the greatest moments in that game is Brian scoring probably a goal that he probably shouldn't have scored um, late in the game, and they were so pissed off at him. And he gets up, he starts running away, and Billy D. Smith is like chasing him. He's going to kill him. He runs right onto the bench, so they couldn't get him. But I remember Ward Sanderson. We win this thing, and Ward Sanderson's wearing his goggles and his snorkel and his fins and he's going into the shower with all the guys so god i remember it fondly (laughs) who hey if you guys could pick a guy that you want to sit next to in another locker room any other team uh who would you pick to to sit next to somebody who wasn't on from yeah somebody from a different team oh screw up don't want any of them don't want yeah none of them totally agree they're I'm not, not on our team, right? Yeah. I hate Steve. Anyone wearing a different jersey, I hate them. I Listen, who is the most ha- who is the most hated rival? And I know the answer to this question, so maybe we'll go too deep here. But who's your most hated rival? Player uh, or team? No team. Uh, Calgary, easy. And you know, I think yes. You know, I agree with you. You know, I think it's like. Uh, um, you know, Albany for a time, you know, we had a nice fight against Albany. That was good. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I can't breathe. I can't, I can't breathe. breathe. <laughs> uh, but no, I, I, you know, I think, listen, Calgary, yes, yeah, I agree with that. It's, we were not only geographically, right, how the league moves, 
moved out. It was kind of us two, right? But we were both very good. And, and I think most importantly, right, we saw each other in the playoffs. And, and I think that's where, you know, the rivalry really begins, right, is when you end somebody's season, right, you hold that over them for forever. A long right? time, so, yeah, no kidding. Um, so I think that's, you know, that I would agree with Brian on that. That's a great story, by the way. Albany, the brawl in Albany, which was the same year as the first goal that we score in 03. And, and Albany comes in. Um, Tommy, Mer or, sorry, Tommy Fair scores an empty net goal late in the game that they took offense to. And then Brian Reese ends up coming to Tommy Fair's aid and hits Blaisdell, if you remember the goalie, Blaisdell. And oh, that starts well. everything. And Brian Langtree is mic'd up for this game, right? <laughs> and Brian's wearing a mic, and there's all sorts of crap happens in this game. But when, you, when I got the footage of Brian mic'd up and heard and listened to this whole thing, he is he's going, all I can hear on this audio is, ow, ow, I can't breathe. I can't breathe because he's on the bottom of the pile. The guy was choking me under the pile. He has thumb on my throat. And I'm like, I can't breathe. And I got suspended for the playoffs, and I got out of it. Remember I spoke my – oh, my phone's ringing. Remember I ple I pled my own case out with the league, and I said, listen to the, the audio. That doesn't sound like an aggressor at all, does it? And I was supposed to be on the faceoff. I didn't leave the bench, which was a lie. Gotcha, NLL. <laughs> Ooh, I left the bench and got my butt kicked. Uh, uh, you know got him. You talk about how, and this happens everywhere, right? But you talk about how little things snowball, right? And stories from that. And, and yeah, Tom, Tom, Tom Fair, who scores, you know, an empty net goal with no one around, right? And, and uh, he put it in, and I just remember looking going, oh, no, man. This <laughs> no, is not going to be good. Uh, Tom Fair's the man. And it starts, starts a fight, and, and – uh, and in turn, you know, Trevor Tierney's got to play play for us the next week. Yes. Right? The next the game, game, that's right. That's right. Trevor. And so Trevor goes in, plays out. He's a player, but our backup goalie, right, as a player. And he gets in a fight at the end of the first half that following yes. week and just got pumped, right? Just yep. beat up, right? But it it was like – I'll never forget this. Jim Veltman is why – so Trevor Tierney fights Ian Rubel at the end of the first half. And Trevor's never played before. He's a goalie, never played before. And Ian Rubel kind of beats him up pretty good. And Jim Veltman is walking Ian Rubel's equipment to the penalty box. And he turns to his teammate and goes, don't be proud of yourself. You beat up the backup goalie. <laughs> 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 By the way, that prompted a National Lacrosse League rule the right. following year right there is that the that your backup goalie had to dress as a backup goalie. That's right. Because yeah. we actually had this guy that was a – he was a runner. Right. And he was trying out as a runner. He'd been on the practice squad as a runner, as a backup goalie, a la Quint Kesnick on the Baltimore Thunder. And, and he comes out – he's going to be our backup goalie. Tom still started the game, I think. Right. Yeah. Classic blocker. And classic blocker. And he starts the game, and Trevor Tierney is our backup goalie. Changed the, the rule book in the National Lacrosse League. So I wanna I wanna move forward in, in time. And if you guys have an opportunity to think back a little bit, um, if you could put someone in the Hall of Fame, except for the two of you, 
because I know how much you guys have a bromance and you would say each other. Um, <laughs> if you could put somebody in the Hall of Fame that's not there now, who would that be? I would have to get a. I would have to see a list of who is there, but uh, I would probably say Gavin Prout if he's not in it. That's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah, I would say like I think, um, you know, Hanford. I don't know if Hanford's there or not, but like just him and Joe Bear. You know, and I don't know if you can put two guys in like that. Don't they have to go in as conjoined twins? Yeah, though? a pair. They have to be a pair though. That don't make <laughs> You know, and, and I'll tell you, like it's double bucks. It's <laughs> the way, you know, I, I truly think they, you know, the way the game is going now, you know, both, you know, field and, and, you know, high school, college, and then pro, you know, what Brian did to, to change the game for Americans, right. And, and what Hanford and Jalbert did, right. And from the face-off perspective, right. And it's, is from Hanford to get it and to, to put it to a spot and Jalbert always had it and, how that revolutionized, you know, the game, you know, I would say uh, because teams, teams were doing things like, I remember teams wouldn't put five guys out for a faceoff. They'd put four and they'd put a guy at the front door and Hanford was so good at winning it and putting it back when the whistle went, the fifth guy would go. Right. And so I would put, uh, I would put those two guys. That's as a, as a pair going together. That's a good one. Cali BBQ is proud to be an official sponsor of your San Diego Seals. Buy our slow-smoked barbecue at any Seals home game or online anytime at www.calibbq.media. So I'm going to say I'm going to say a name, and I want you guys to give me a quick reaction to that name. Um, Mark Steenhouse. Who's that? Who's that? So basically what you're saying is I can't say anybody's name from a different team. No, you can. You can. I, I'm not that childish. But that Mark Steenhouse. That guy's a freak, man. He's athletic. You know, he. Uh, I think we would have liked him if he was on our team because he was kind of a dick like us. Uh, yeah. Curly hair. guy. One game I think he had like 13 goals or something like that. I mean, I remember, I remember hearing – because I had just lit the lamp nine times in a game. <laughs> and uh, I heard – Someone someone say on in the, on the bus like Statehouse had thirteen some crazy number. I, was like, I think what? he did it in an All Star game, so it doesn't count. No, I don't. No, I think it was a regular game. I don't. He was sick. That guy was sick. Andy Ogilvy. Oh, I don't even <laughs> that name up. Put your hand up. Put your hand up. Put your hand up. <laughs> you know, I guarantee if you asked Andy Ogilvy, he would have no idea who I am. But that was my first fight in the NLL when I was playing for the Saints, and he. he he, he, I hit somebody from behind. I didn't know you couldn't hit him from behind into the boards. I thought that was totally legal. Andy Ogilvy lifts me up by one hand. Oh, no, no. On the faceoff dot, slashes my leg. I baseball swing him back. Lifts me. I didn't know who he was. Lifts me up by my neck. Throws me on the ground. Says, I'm going to rip your helmet off and break your effing skull. Which he did to somebody else a few months later. And he starts pounding me. My mom's in the crowd crying. I'm kneeing him in the balls. He gets kicked out of the game. We come back, we lost, but that was like one of my only two games with the Saints. But that guy scares me a little bit. Uh, a little bit. How Johnny? about you, Johnny? Andy Ogilvy? Are you just not going to talk about anybody on the team? Oh, hey, hey. No, I would say, yeah, I, I was going to say, didn't he break someone's skull, right? Like that. Yeah, McFarland. <laughs> McFarland. Oh, that, you know, it was, that was scary. I would say he was, 
he was a little older than me, so I heard lots of stories, but I always I would laugh when he saw that one where he put his glove, he put his glove up his face, so he had glove and helmet, and Ogilvy's just punching him. <laughs> that, was Saints against, that was the Saints against Bandits, if you want to look it up. I'm sure it's on DVD somewhere. Yeah. I gotta, I'm going to have to have Andy Ogilvy on the show so nobody can listen to him either. He yeah. will never – yeah. Go ahead. Casey Powell. Greatest American lacrosse player ever. Uh, yeah, he was – you know, he was – he, that's it. You know, he was great. Like he just did things, you know, and, uh, he was my, uh, you know, I took a few cab rides with him. So he was, he was my, uh, partner in a few cab rides in, in Vancouver <laughs> to the Sandman hotel in Langley somewhere at like 12 o'clock at night. That was me. that swingers joint, right? <laughs> that's, right. that's right. You know, that's right. You know, um, but no, he was, he was great. He was, he was one of the best skill wise players that I've ever seen. Gary Gate. Oh, the greatest, period. And awesome, dude. Love Gary. I, you know, I always, you know, fortunate, right? Like, I signing, I, signing my contract on the hood of your car and then walking in with Paul and Gary. And, and for how good Paul and, and Gary are, and, and, you know, Paul retired that year, right? And, and um, that last year in Washington, you know, and obviously Gary coming to Colorado, you know, uh, for as good as great Gary was as a player, he's a, he's a better guy. He's a better man. Yeah. And, um, you know, and I think that's, you know, that's what I take away from it was, was how good of a, uh, of a teammate and a guy he was. I want to just add on to that. I used to go to Syracuse lacrosse camp when I was in seventh and eighth grade, and Gary was my idol, not even close. George McGinney, kind of a sad Sad story. George passed away uh, a few months ago and a, and a tough one, but he was certainly a big part of the Mammoth franchise. And I know he was a big part of your guys' lives when he was coaching. And um, I love George. Talk about larger than life. That He was a larger than life character. But talk about George McGinney real quick. George McGinney, baby. George, George McGinney was um, – I don't know what his role was technically with the club, but I know that every single guy who was, who was on the team – absolutely would have taken a bullet for that guy. Um, he was always there for us. Hey, we, we'd go to the bar, go to a restaurant, he would pick it up the tab, always tell, always pumping your tires, telling you how great you are, never really needed anything in return, just wanted to make everybody feel like they were part of something special. And, you know, I think I, I'll never forget, George, when I heard he died, it, it really made me very sad. I remember where I was and uh, it was in New York and I was like, oh, my God, what? So that really hurt me, to be honest. Yeah, you know, we, you know, we've talked about it a little bit before and, and, you know, I would echo everything Brian said, right? He was for, for the time he was with, you know, the mammoth, right? He was what kind of brought the players together, right? And he was kind of the buffer a little bit between management and the players. And, and, um, but I, you know, I agree with what Brian said, you know, guys would, would do anything for him and uh, you know, because he went out of his way, right to to make sure you were okay and make sure your family was okay and and uh you know every, everything was was comfortable with you outside of lacrosse and so yeah i was shocked you know when when i heard that and you know uh you know i haven't met a guy with a deeper voice right uh, you know than him right and and uh um but he, you know he was the best good living good living good living baby, good living, baby. 
So I, I got two guys left on this and, and two yeah. guys I know you, you both think of fondly um, and both still in Denver, Nikki Carlson. Chiefster. Chiefster. Uh, Nick Carlson. You know, you, you ask, like, who would you want to sit next to in a locker room? That's a guy I'd want to sit next to in a locker room. I think he might be one of the nicest human beings, awesome lacrosse player, sick body, handsome as hell. I mean, this guy <laughs> – this guy made me feel so inferior when he had his shirt off walking around. I was like, oh, man, that's what it could be like. But he, <laughs> Nick Carl, and he was an awesome player, but as a human being, both of those guys, I know who you're going to talk about next because if you say Nick, there's, there's like, you know, A and B. But uh, but Nick is oh, the tops, man. That guy's great. His dad, too. I ripped his dad's, <laughs> I ripped his dad's nipple off once. <laughs> Side story. <laughs> Sad story. Johnny, how about you? He he might be the most handsome man I, I know. <laughs> and so <laughs> he's a handsome man. It's a man. But it was uh but it's funny you bring it. I was gonna say that. I was gonna say his mom and dad, right? Like that's what I was gonna say. It was <laughs> you know, it was whenever they came into town from the Nymo, right? It was uh, you know, you look forward to seeing him. It was great. How about uh, – you, you know who I'm going to talk about next, Tommy Tommy, T-Bone. Bad influence on me. <laughs> <laughs> really? Tommy, you know, I used to call him unflappable because we would go out and, like, I could hang out with Tommy, and he would slowly see me deteriorating, and you couldn't even tell he was hanging. He'd just be fine. He'd just be sitting there like, what's up? What's up? And I'm like, Aah! And, like, <laughs> nothing – you never, no one could ever tell. But Tommy uh, – Tommy – I, I hold, hold a close place in my heart for Tommy because we were both on, the only two guys to make it from open tryouts and uh, two totally different players. He's a big defenseman with, like, big hands, everything. And, uh, you know, love that guy, Tommy. He uh, – T-Bone. Yeah, yeah T-Bone. And, 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 uh, but, you, you know, you just talked about McGinney, right? Like, that was the first guy I thought of, right, when I heard right. when I heard the passing of, of George was – was Tom because they were they were such you know close friends and and uh but him knocking out I don't know who it was from Calgary who did he knock out McNish 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 oh, you know I remember weird things like that yeah that's right and and you know Tommy was um you know he was he was big he's just that that country strong right like he just he, he didn't look like Nick Carlson but he was just as strong as him and, and when he knocked out McNish in Calgary right and just ducked and hit him with one Right, it was uh, you know outside of winning the championship, that might have been the happiest time I've seen a group of guys right from from our team be right is is when they saw this Canadian guy I think we're gonna pick on an American guy right and and he stood <laughs> up to him and toe to toe with him and boxed with him a bit and you know just one punched him one punched him done I uh, I you guys will giggle when I tell this story real quick but. I I love Tommy Ethington. I love Nick Carlson, and and I love all you guys that are on that team. It was a pretty special group and a very special place in my heart for all you guys for a lot of different reasons. But Tom Ethington, in my very illustrious but short career as a coach um, for the Mammoth, um, I coached five games, and the first weekend we went back to back, um, and we won both games in our first weekend back to back, and the first win. Um, was in Minnesota in overtime. Tommy Ethington picks up the ball and runs down on a breakaway and scores. And I probably should have quit coaching right then and there. But I stuck with it for another five games, lost five games in a row, and then I fired myself. 
had the right motivational tactics, but your practice schedule was a little off. You know, you didn't have, it wasn't tight. <laughs> I, I will say, you know, if you talk about, uh, you know, that's the one moment, like that Buffalo game in, in 2006, you know, Ethington scored, I think, a breakaway, right? Scores a breakaway. Yeah, oh, I think he scored that game, too. And, but that's the one where Gary – I think the camera turns to Gary, and I think that goal is when we knew we won, right? Like, Gary gives a little, like, pump behind the bench, and but that was – you know, I think, yeah, Brian throwing the one in, right, with Billy D chasing him, right? And thank God Prouder came over there and the other guys came over, right? And, and he's got one glove on. But I think, you know, T-Bone uh, – you know, Tommy scored some big goals for us, right? And and I think that, uh, you know, I remember that one in Minnesota too. That was pretty good. So I, I wrap up I wrap up the podcast every week with the same question, and and I love to hear this because I think the stories of our game need to be told, and and we need to remember the great stories and the legacies of, uh, of the National Lacrosse League, and you guys were a big part of our history. Um, but if you could, if you could write or craft or you know produce a thirty for thirty uh, on ESPN in the game of lacrosse, and I don't care what the topic is, uh, whether it's outdoor, indoor, pro, college, whatever it is, if you could craft a narrative of a thirty for thirty in the sport of lacrosse, what would it be, Johnny? Shattered glass. What? Shattered glass. Chapter six. Shattered glass. <laughs> Chapter six. <laughs> Chapter six. You know that's what it is. You know, yeah, it was the easiest question. That's easiest question. <laughs> Done. What else you got? Come on. No, hey, you're, so you, I just like to point out you now are asking me to talk more, right? That is a no. I just want question. it doesn't have to be long. Just tell me what you want to do. Keep going. I'm enjoying it, Johnny. <laughs> if I do a thirty for thirty for ESPN about lacrosse in general, what would it be? Is that that's essentially what you're asking me? Awesome. Thank you for reiterating the question. Yes. You got one, Brian, or no? Yeah, I would. I mean, I think, you know, I've watched a few of your episodes before, and a lot of people pointed out, like, former great players and all that. And, you know, I watched lacrosse, and I, I don't think, like, the average Joe on the street really would care too much about the John Gallant story. Or, but I think a, a story that, that, that delves deeply into the background, like, the fans – the, the, the dedicated fans, like the guys from the tar pit from, uh, from Colorado or the, or the Philly wing nuts and like, you know, like getting those interview, those people, that's the gem. That's the beauty of this stuff, man. Like we're just, we're disposable. We're just a bunch of, you know, it's, there's a new guy up now. And it's like, we, really, we could sit here and talk about how cool we were back in the day. Nobody cares, but the fans will always be there. Well, hopefully, but those are the people that make it go. So I think a cool story about the fans, I think that'd be money. Yeah, I love that, man. I love that. It's the first time anybody said the fans. And um, you know what? God bless those people that spend their hard-earned money coming to our Hell game. Yeah. Game in and game out. And and f have fallen in love with a sport that doesn't get covered you know, by mainstream media. But they've fallen in love with something because uh, of the really authentic nature of what we provide and – and, and it's really because of players like yourselves and the guys that have come before and come after uh, that have put on a great product. And the players are a product, and, and I have a lot of respect for what they do and the sacrifices they make to play our game. So the fans are a good one. I think, you know, listen, I, I turn I see like, uh, you know, Johnsonville's got, uh, 
you know, cornhole on, right? And then, you know, on ESPN <laughs> and all this sort of stuff's on, on TV, right? And, and, you know, to what Brian said, it's, you know, I grew up going, you know, to Buffalo, right? And, and obviously, you know, you played in Philly. And, um, you know, there was, you know, from the, the announcers, right, that, that start these traditions and Buffalo's got, you know, BOX. And, and, and I got to tell you, you know, running on the field in Philly and, and you know, number 11, John Galant sucks, right? I thought it was the greatest thing around. I thought <laughs> awesome. it was the greatest thing. I look forward. Are we going to Philly? Are we going to Philly this year? You know, because yeah. that's what it was. And, and now, you know, you're seeing, you know, with the, it's great these sports coming back, you know, whether, they, whether you agree they come back or not, but not having fans there. Um, that was a part of, of playing you know, professional lacrosse was, was I took myself serious in my craft, right, of, of trying to be, you know, a, a good defenseman and trying to be a good teammate. But I didn't take myself serious enough in the way that, you know, people are like, hey, can I have your autograph? And it was like, school <laughs> teacher, man. Like, I teach just like you're a plumber, you're a lawyer, whatever. You're like, you know, Brian's a teacher. I'm a teacher, right? You know, Tom Ethington's selling real estate. Like, we're, we knew who we were and we were comfortable with who we were. And there were times, you know, we looked at the fans and, and you went like, do you really know who I am? Like, you know, I'm not a hockey player. I'm not a basketball guy. I'm not a football guy. And, uh, but you know, they loved it. Right. And so, you know, the chance they come up with and, and, you know, how, uh, die hard they are, you know, I, I think Brian, you know, I said to him earlier or said earlier, you know, he's the most intelligent guy I know, you know, I think that's a great, you know, a great avenue to, to start something to that, uh, you know, I think is really important for our game. Well, I ask a question all the time about, uh, you know, what's your favorite place to play on the road? And, and I get a bunch of different answers. And mine was always the the, the Buffalo Auditorium. And it, it had little to do with the arena itself. And it very almost always, other than some of the iconic buildings like the Boston Garden and Maple Leaf Gardens and stuff like that, ever had anything to do with the building itself. Um, it was all about the the aura and the electricity inside the building, and that's created by the fans of the NLL. And uh, I'm glad you said it. And uh, and look, I want to wrap things up uh, just to say, you know, when I when I had this concept that I wanted to do a podcast, and nobody cares whether they, you know, I talk to anybody, who cares, right? But when I wanted to kind of memorialize some of the the careers and and the legacy and the stories of, of our league and the mill and the National Lacrosse League, um, this conversation um, epitomized exactly the way it wanted to categorize it. It was fun, fellas. It was a blast. It was a pleasure to, to catch up with you guys and have a, have a few laughs and tell some good stories and listen to Johnny go on and on and on and, and really worry about, you know, the flip phone and Brian talking about shanking me with a pen. I mean, that just brings back fond memories. I think Johnny and I are going to, we didn't tell you this, but we're going to start our own podcast. What do you say, Johnny? <laughs> yes. I'm thinking, I think we might. I, I think that we could talk all day. Yeah. You could talk you. all day. We'll yeah. have you as a guest. We'll have you as a guest, Steve. Okay. We'll call um, the I TLF. I I, uh, I loved having you guys. Thank you for doing this. I love you both. Uh, we'll talk soon. And uh, TFL podcast episode thirteen. We're out. <laughs>